We acknowledge this podcast was recorded on Aboriginal land. This land is and always will be Aboriginal land. Hello, beautiful humans. Welcome to another episode of Feeling Nostalgic, a podcast where we look at the pop culture moments that shaped us. I'm your host, Demi Lynch, and thank you again for tuning into an episode of Feeling Nostalgic. And also thank you for all the beautiful messages everyone has sent in about last week's episode with Evie Jones and our emotional talks about the dogs we have and the dogs we've loved. And just know, uh, I just really appreciate all the love and all the feedback I'm getting. So keep sending them through. I love it. Now, Today on the show, we have Body Positive activist and content creator, Denny Adriana. I've been following her on Instagram for many years now, and I have not only adored her fat activism and learned so much from her, I'm also getting so much joy out of her Taylor Swift content. So of course, during our chat today, we talk all things the OC, lack of fat representation in the early 2000s, today's young pop stars, Taylor Swift conspiracy theories, and of course, since we're talking all things Swifty, we have to talk about Travis Kelsey. Danny, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today, my dear. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited. You are the Taylor Swift expert enthusiast. So when I was thinking pop culture podcast, there Mm -hmm. had to be an episode about Taylor Swift. And of course, course. (laughs) it had to be with you, who is all things Taylor Swift. (laughs) I am. I am indeed. How are you living, breathing Taylor Swift right now since the new Taylor's version of 1989 has come out? I'm very, very, very deeply obsessed. I mean, 1989 isn't, this is controversial, but it Mm -hmm. isn't my favorite album. I think as a pop album, it's like one of the greatest, but um, that isn't like the era that I'm most emotionally attached to. Like I am, but not entirely. So it was kind of nice to have a re-record that came out that I'm like, oh, I just enjoy it and not like, I don't have like this huge emotional attachment to it in the way that I did with Red um so yeah it's like exciting times I really hope there was gonna be a double album drop but it hasn't happened so I know uh and and also so many people were expecting a cameo of Harry Styles that did not happen as well so yes yeah I've been seeing so many people say that 1989 clearly is not the favorite child like Red is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very true. Like Taylor Swift, I think, like in general, has such an affinity for that album, and I understand why. Um, whereas 1989, I think, is really fun. Um, on like, I have a list on my phone of like Taylor things I wish would happen. And having Harry Styles on 1989 was one of them. So I'm like pretty sad. But like once you listen to the vault tracks, it's pretty clear why he's not on it. Um, Though Mm. I feel like Harry's probably like, he said in interviews before that he's like flattered by songs, even if like the song isn't necessarily positive. So I feel like he'd probably dig it. Like he gets that writing is like, you know, it's your own experience. 
Do you think they actually were in a relationship or do you think it was a PR relationship? What are your thoughts? Oh, I can see the brains ticking right now. (laughs) It's so hard, right? Like, I, um, I think, like, you know, in general, like, Taylor's relationships is, like, fun to speculate on, but probably, like, the least interesting thing about her, which I think she's, like, kind of made clear. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's true. I think they were dating. Um, I'm definitely in the team. I think there's a definite case for Taylor being queer. Um, but that doesn't mean I don't think she's dated men. I definitely think that she's had relationships with men and I think that they have been real. Um, and also I'm just kind of like, oh, is it any really of our business? Like I kind of go Mm. between those two things. I think being part of the queer community and having so much of Taylor's work speak to my experience. Um, it's hard not to like, I guess project that a little bit on her because you're like, oh, this like feels like me. This feels like something that a girl in a relationship with another girl would feel. Um, but I think that's just a mark of a great writer. So I don't know if we'll ever really know. And I don't think we like whether it's our right to really know what is up with her identity. Um, but it definitely is fun to like to figure out the connections between songs. Like 1989 is very clearly like there's very clear references to Harry Styles. Like, oh yeah, there's yeah. just like there's no arguing that. Like, Harry has spoke about it. Like, literally, there's a song called Style. Like, it 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 is very obvious. Um, and I don't think that I don't think you could write the type of lyrics that Taylor writes without some part of it being real. Like, mm. some relationships she may have had been PR, whatever. But I think there has to be some realness behind like the writing. Just because, yeah, like, how exactly, do you come yeah. up with that otherwise? And because, like, the lyrics and her songs just mean so much to her. Like, it's all just her. It's not like, you know, someone behind her ear being like, oh, this song will work better because it's more poppy or more country or stuff like that. No, she just she just pours it out of her heart. She's always been that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think mm. if you listen to, like, an album specifically, like, Speak Now, like, she wrote that completely on her own. It's her only album that she wrote, like, entirely by herself. And she was so young and I feel like, you know, a song like Dear John or Last Kiss, like it has to be drawn from real experience. Um, That's not to say like sometimes, like I know there's a song on Lover called Death by a Thousand Cuts that is like inspired by a movie rather than like a a situation. But I definitely think like her earlier albums, like like, she's spoken about this, like very self-biographical. Yeah, yeah. So other than Taylor Swift at the moment, what pop culture moments, like movie, music, celebrity gossip, are you obsessed with at the moment? This is what I asked all my guests at the beginning of the show. What pop culture moment are you loving right now? Um... I'm really loving Troy Sivan's new direction of music. <gasps> I feel like I was yes. never a Troy girl, but this yeah. album has me by the freaking throat. Like I mm-hmm. am hooked. Um, I just really love how he's just like, you know, his last albums were so sad. There were a lot about breakup. Like this album feels like a queer reclaiming. Um, and he's just so gorgeous and wonderful. I just really love his new album um i find that really interesting the music videos so 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 good good. have you seen um chris and g flip for halloween that they dressed up for his latest music video that was iconic perfection 
yeah iconic iconic absolutely um, so i'm definitely obsessed with that i am also really loving sabrina carpenter right now i really love like her yes. i was talking actually about this to my girlfriend the other day like i feel like when i was growing up pop music especially pop girlies like mm. industry was like okay your target market is like 13 year olds so you need to sing about like going to the mall or like f- holding a hand with a boy for the first time but i feel like this generation of pop star girlies are actually writing music as their age like for the first time ever are writing from like a 20 year old's perspective a 21 year old's perspective and not necessarily catering to that like candy pop which i still love but like that kind of uh like more stereotypical like shallow e lyricism like i really love Maisie peters i really love olivia um rodrigo i really love sabrina carpenter and all three of those girls have such an interesting lens to watch them go through their early 20s and like late teens and be honest about their experience because i feel like we didn't really have that growing up as much um in as much of a like autobiographical but also just like true like real understanding of like girlhood Mm, Um, mm -hmm. so I'm kind of loving that trend at the moment to see like them just allowed to be their age yeah absolutely and then I just feel like then it it's also smart business because it widens their audience it's not just targeted for young people which then it then seems, you know, quote unquote, embarrassing to like it if you're older. It's just like, no, their music then is has a bigger demographic. More people can like it. And it's not seen as uncool to like them. Like, if you like that music now, it's just like, oh my God, that's, yeah, of course. That music's fucking fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it speaks to like women being allowed to be more complex, not overly complex, but like in media, there's like more room for women to be independent people versus like having to be like role models, you know, like when I was growing up, like Brittany and Christina, every interviewer was like, well, like you're doing this. How do you think like young girls are going to, and they were kind of like, I'm not really a role model. Like I'm just making music. I'm 21 years old. Like I don't care. Um, But like Olivia, Maisie and Sabrina are kind of just like, haven't necessarily been like held by that chain of like purity culture or like having to be like this role model for young girls they're just like being themselves um and I think that that's like one way that I feel pop culture has shifted to allow like a little bit more of individuality for women um and a little bit more of like them being like a full person like a complex person yeah and it's yeah when when you think about it it is like such a contrast because like obviously like with Britney like she spoke about like how corporations like say disney and stuff like that they have such a hold on you and influence on like how you must be shown to the world and yeah we haven't really had that with like say people like olivia rodrigo like we're actually seeing her true authentic self which has been such a amazing positive thing for her and her career yeah it is yeah i never thought of it that way yeah that's such a good and interesting point yeah yeah so I would love to go back in time to you growing up and the pop culture um, that you grew up with. And okay. you are like me. You are a plus size girly like me. Mm-hmm. What was pop culture like for you back then? Because those days of the 90s, early 2000s was very much thin is the only thing that's in. Nothing yeah. else. What was? Yeah. What did you kind of see in pop culture? back then um I mean I've always been a pop culture girly like I feel like um 
you know, like if my special interest was like airplanes, I would be like an expert about it. But pop culture is seen as like something that's like frivolous. So it's like not really a skill. But like me and pop culture since I've been little have been like obsessed with each other. Um, I, the, one yes. of the biggest pop culture things for me as a person um, was the OC. Like I was, I still am completely <gasps> yes. obsessed with that show. Like I remember being like, I remember, like, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen the OC yet, you're, like, a million years too late. But um, <laughs> at the end of season three, Marissa dies. And I remember my dad coming into my bedroom and I was crying as if someone, like, my loved one had died. And he just, like, made so much fun of me. And I was just, like, so, like, you don't understand what this means to me. Like, this is... And my parents just thought I was ridiculous. But I was absolutely obsessed. Um, I think, like you know that show particularly but also just like other people at the time like I'm thinking of like particularly Misha Barton or uh Rachel Bilson you know there was like I used to I remember I was watching like Girls of the Playboy Mansion at like 13 like just bananas that was a good show that was a great show so and I'm still really like following all of the girls and what they're doing now especially like Holly Madison like she's um Mm -hmm. recently come out that she has autism like she I think she's a really interesting person I really love her um but Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of the women that I was looking up to even if they were not plus size let's be honest because I look back on photos of Jessica Simpson and I'm like what the hell she's tiny and people were like she's <laughs> fat now um kind of warped my sense of like what beauty standards were um I feel like media had like a real big traction into like like gossip reality stuff Perez Hilton vibes um and social media wasn't really what it is now like I was on like MySpace like that was my social media um so I feel like yeah it really did distort my view of like what people looked like Mm. um you know as a teenager I suffered from an eating disorder and I definitely don't think media was like the driving cause of that there's a lot of things that went into my eating disorder but I definitely don't think it helped like I remember like I had a subscription to girlfriend and Cleo that I got for my birthday one year and I would like cut out pictures of like you know Nicole Richie at her tiniest or whatever and they would be like part of my like inspiration boards like it it really allowed me to kind of have this fixation on thinness um that I think everyone was kind of forced to kind of swallow um but also as a lover of pop culture and a lover of like you know girly teen shows and music and um it was kind of hard to escape that because it kind of came hand in hand um yeah so yeah I think it was difficult growing up in that time and also just like never really seeing anybody that looked like me online um or in general and also back then we didn't have the way of thinking of like analyzing it and thinking like, oh, this is messed up that literally everyone is so thin. Like oh, we yeah, never, for sure. we just thought like, oh, that's just the norm. That's just what you got to yeah. be to in order to be beautiful. Yeah. And I think like that, that like definitely for adults of that time, we didn't have the media literacy or like the understanding of how like press works in the way that we do now or yeah. journalism. Um, but I think as a child, even more so, like as a teenager, I didn't have a fully like developed frontal lobe. Like it was, it's not a good thing <laughs> to like marinate yourself in this like ideology. 
Um, but I think it like, you know, continues to persist. It just like kind of changes shape and form over time. You know, now there's like TikTok things or, you know, a bunch of stuff for young women and young people that is like harmful if you, if you fall into that circle on the internet or in life. Yeah, I, yeah. I want to circle back to the OC because I am an OC fan. I was late to the club though. I was very late to oh the club. So I, but I yeah. was obsessed. I watched it with my mum. Although I have to I say, loved it. all the episodes after Marissa's death, I just pretend doesn't exist. And whenever I rewatch <gasps> You're it. You're not a season four, girly? Oh, I can't. It's season just... four is a mess, but it's so good. It's kind of like. Uh, the reason I hate watch Glee, like season four is oh, so bad. It's so good. Like <laughs> it's like season four, like has um like the ultimate universe episode. Oh it has um like Taylor. What's her last name? Taylor is her last name Thompson? No, Taylor. So no. I'm gonna get crucified for this. Taylor something. Um, it's just so good. It's like season four is so good. Also, it has like more scenes of Volchuk, which I know like Volchuk's a bad guy, right? I get it. Yeah. But like 16 year old me was like, he's hot. So it doesn't matter that he like killed Marissa. Probably not. Um, <laughs> like I am so obsessed. And there's this one um, shout out to a podcast that I love called Never Have I Seen the OC. And it's run by mm. two of my friends who are Scottish. Um, and they did over the pandemic they did a whole rewatch of the show one of them loved the oc one of them had never seen the oc and it is hilarious so if you love the oc i it literally got me through pandemic it got me through my last breakup and also on top of that i just like i didn't realize how hyper fixated i was on that show until i started listening to that the episodes and could literally remember the storylines before they even brought them up and i haven't watched the show in like 10 years so it was yes. like a very big part of my brain i love it so much i'll make sure to add the show in the show notes if anyone else here wants to it's listen so to it and also and also like scottish accents and the oc that is like the perfect combination yes please yeah I'm here and for they're that. so funny and like it, there's actually yes. one fan episode at the end i sent them this big long voice message because they're friends of friends of mine and I was like ranting about my life. It's like four minutes long, right? And they email me back and they're like, oh, could we put it in the show? And I was like, yeah, thinking like they're going to cut it down. Like there's no way they're going to do five minutes of like my random rant. And yeah. they didn't. And also I dropped the C-bomb in it. And at the start of the episode, it's like, hey, guys, for our American viewers, like just so you know that. And I'm like. That can't be me. That's that's not my voice. That's not gonna be me. And I was like, oh my god, I'm on an international podcast dropping the C bomb. <laughs> and I'm like, why did you not edit it? But it's pretty funny to re-listen to, so Oh my god, that's amazing. Okay, you have to message me the episode that you're featured in so I can hear that voice note. I yeah, need to great. hear that. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> have more people listen to it. That yeah, yeah that'd, be, that'd well. be great for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so something I do okay, I have many questions about the OC, but something I mm-hmm. am interested in. So you yourself are a bisexual icon like me. Thank you. Yay. I'm curious then. What were your thoughts now and growing up during Marissa's, they call it a phase, they call, I don't know, they call uh, it was, what was your experience, thoughts, feelings, emotions about her relationship with, I'm going to remember her name, I just remember her as the lady with the cool hair and Alex. she wore the, Alex, yeah. that's mm-hmm. right. What was, yes. 
what was it like then? And then what was it like watching it back now? The OC, you know, trying to be inclusive by representing a queer relationship. Um, I think it was interesting in twofold. I'm like, you know how some queer people are like, I've known I've been queer since I was like two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was kind of stupid. At, not stupid. But I was like... I'll give myself some compassion. I was like... <laughs> you hadn't had your friends with sorted yet. <laughs> I just thought everybody thought girls were hot, right? I thought I, too. I yes. literally was like, girls are hot. Everybody thinks so. I did have a lot of like heteronormativity stuff to unpack and like homophobia to unpack because I was like, oh, yeah. I could kiss a girl, but I could never like sleep with a girl or whatever. Yes. Um, but I always thought they were attractive. I've mm-hmm. also always been like way more emotionally attracted to women or femme people or non-binary people than I have been to cis men. Always. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point that like on Tinder, and I feel even straight people feel this, but I feel like every guy's profile that's a cis man on Tinder is like cut and copy paste. It's like four stereotypes. It's like guy with a fish, guy mm-hmm. who does business, fitness dude, and then like weird old guy who's like actually like thinks he's lefty, but is actually like really just a set, like, misogynist yeah um so i'm like eh, boring but i yeah i just thought everybody loved girls and because i found men attractive i just assumed oh i'm straight i do find men attractive i do have crushes on men i do find them like sexually attractive so like obviously i'm just straight but like everybody thinks girls are kind of hot yeah um that's not actually true surprisingly (laughs) uh though i would debate that i I feel like everybody lives on a spectrum but um oh i'm here for that yes i believe that absolutely but i feel like that's all bisexuals right we're all like everyone's on a spectrum (laughs) Uh, which might not be true for some people but i think watching it i remember being like uh which i should have clued on about i remember thinking like oh this is like it kind of scared me a little, I think, because really? unlike other people who would have been like, oh, cool, like it's whatever. I think like the closet that I was in was kind of like, oh, I can't really be seen supporting anything because then maybe it is true that, you know, I was the girl who at 14 took like BuzzFeed quizzes of like, am I gay? Like that, yeah. like, why did I, like, you know, like. Oh, um, I feel yeah. But yep. it, because it always came down to like, no, you're not a lesbian. I was like, well, <laughs> I'm not gay. Um, so I think it kind of scared me a little bit. I think rewatching it and hearing like the podcast specifically episodes about it again, um, I was like, oof, like it's very dripping in like male gays ideas of sexuality. Yeah. Um, and also like. I think because it's tied with like Marissa's rebellion and like mm-hmm. mental health issues and like, you know, like now I watch it and I'm like, does Marissa have borderline personality disorder? Because like that would make a lot of sense. Like, yeah, she, oh, yes. she is like struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, oh, so I think watching it back also, I, uh, fun fact, not that, we're, that you, anyone probably cares listening, but I do. <laughs> the girl who plays Alex, what's her name? She dated Harry, Olivia Wilde. Olivia, I knew so, it was Olivia, but I always forget her between Olivia Wilde and Olivia Munn. I always forget. Yeah. yeah. So she's Olivia Wilde. She actually originally auditioned to play Marissa. And really? they were like, no, you don't really fit it. Which I agree. I could not see her playing no. Marissa. 
Um, but they invented the character of Alex for her because they were like, oh, she's so good. We need her on the show. So I think that's ah. really interesting that she almost played Marissa. Um, but they yeah I don't know I found it kind of difficult to watch also let's be honest I wasn't really a Marissa girl I was there for Summer Roberts like I was there for Seth Cohen now watching it back I'm like oh he's so freaking annoying but I was not like a Ryan girly like you know the whole Mm. white knight thing has never really appealed to me I'm always liking like the weird other character that like whatever um so like I just cared about Summer Roberts like that's all I was there for I think I related more to Marissa because she was like troubled and like depressed and didn't fit in and like you know had all these like dramas going on but I like wanted to be Summer Roberts because in my opinion like Rachel Bilson I know she's not the main character of that show but she really does steal a lot of the main character energy Mm -hmm, and I personally mm -hmm. think in watching it again like Summer is way more main character energy than Marissa is. Like, she's way cooler in every way. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I always got so frustrated with Marissa. Like, she just... Like, you know what she reminded me of? She kind of reminded me in Gossip Girl. I love Blake Lively. I adore Blake oh, Lively Serena, as, yeah. as an actress. Yeah. But Serena was just the biggest damp rag, yeah. similar with Marissa. Like, yeah. I just... But you know what? You know what's really sad? I've like been going back through like all these TV shows and like thinking back like oh what characters I had a crush on and stuff like that. So many of them I just had the hots for the parents. Like yeah, Sandy, oh my God, same. Sandy Peter Gallagher. Okay, I could talk about this for the rest of the podcast. Peter Gallagher. Eyebrows, those eyebrows, that hair. I have loved oh. him since I first saw Center Stage. Like I love <gasps> Peter Gallagher. Mm-hmm. Like to the point that I follow his daughter on TikTok because she's like a singer and like only so that if Peter Gallagher's in her TikToks I can see him. And Catherine's cool too, but like I just yes. am very into him. And he yeah. is just everything. Also he was like uh like lawyer, he was like mm-hmm. politically left. He yep. was like he was like a really good husband, he was like a good dad, he's like super hot, he's funny. Yes. Like I just love Sandy Cohen. I I he is my favorite and even watching it as a teenager, I loved him and their storylines, probably more than the teenagers sometimes. Yes. Oh my god, the parents. Like, um, um, what was Marissa's mum again? What was her oh, name? Oh, Julie Cooper. Love her. Shh. She was so fascinating. Her relationship yeah. with um the older guy, like oh, just so fascinating. I could just yeah, I just wanted a, I just wanted a show just about the parents. Yeah, and and you know what? That that's why we got the Real Housewives of OC. I bet. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, what I love about Julie Cooper too is like this is back. What I love about that part of TV, and like you see it in the OC or like Dawson's Creek or like um. One Tree Hill, mm. Grey's Anatomy, like um, even right now I'm re-watching or watching for the first time West Wing. Like these are Ooh. shows of the 90s to the 2000s that had like 27 episode seasons. And when yeah. you have 27 episodes, there can be a real character arc. There can be some like nothing episodes. There can be like a holiday special. And like what I loved about those shows was you got to actually see like complex development and you got to form attachment mm-hmm. to them. And, like, Julie Cooper is a perfect example of that because she is the worst person ever in season one. <laughs> and by yeah. season four, she is my favorite character. I love her more than anyone else because she has growth, she has humility, you see, like, different sides of her. After Marissa dies, like, she definitely, like, like realizes, like, who she is more because of that grief. And nowadays when you watch Netflix and there's, like, ten episodes... 
every episode is like a big cliffhanger or like a massive thing and you have no time to really figure out who these people are and yet we're supposed to care about them like I just it's the one thing I hate about streaming is like we get all of these great shows but they only get like nine or eight episodes and it's like how are you supposed to like character develop someone when the second episode it's like you already know like half about them but you don't really feel like connected to them um so like I love 2000 shows for that reason because like if you have a 27 episode show I will I will froth over it because I just think it's so much more interesting yeah I feel like the writers can like properly have fun with the characters and like just like pick and choose bits and pieces of things they want to try and be like oh what if this week they you know did this weird thing and the other week they do this weird thing oh that actually is uncovering a whole other side of them we didn't think would happen like and you yeah. get, like, messy, weird episodes. Like, you know, Grey's oh, Anatomy yes. has their, like, musical episode. Like, why? <laughs> we didn't need it, but it's there. Like, but they're just so, like, more fun. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. And, like, I feel like that's, as much as TV should be a reflection of life, I feel like, you know, especially now, like, post-pandemic, well, not even post-pandemic, we're still in a pandemic, but, like, since pandemic initiated, like, there's, and the world at the moment there's so much serious shit that we can care about like i use tv as like fun escapism and i feel like good tv even though it should have basis in reality like is is should be fun like it should be fun and take you somewhere else not like reflect back what life is you know um and the oc is like one of those shows you know that i was like these Californian kids who live in these like massive freaking houses are like going to buy like designer clothes all the time. Um, like even the like trailer park that Julie and Marissa move into is like super glam. That was like, fancy trailer park. Yeah, oh my god, park. yes. So like it was just um, you know, I grew up like upper middle class, I guess. So like, you know, I money wasn't really an issue for my family, so I didn't really um like, I wasn't a poor person or, like, you know, came from poverty. But this world just felt so different to anything I had ever experienced, you know? Like, I grew up, like, in, like, a town of 1,200 people originally when I was – till I was, like, nine. So, like, we didn't even have stoplights. Like, we had – like, it was just so different to the world I grew up in. And I just thought that was so fun to escape to, you know? Because low-key, I'm, like, material girl. So I was like, yeah, I want to be in this show. <laughs> Even if it's just so I can have their money to go buy cool shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> just steal half of Rachel Bilson's wardrobe in the oh show. Oh, Absolutely. Obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys broke up. Yeah. And coffee. They're single now. And you want to know what I'm doing for Valentine's Day. Yeah. Mm. So Anna dumps you, and you think you can choose me, and I'd still be interested in okay. you? Okay. First of all, what makes you think that Anna dumped me? Never mind. Second of all, kind of, yes. Yeah. No. No way. I'm not going to be your sloppy seconds, ass face. Besides, I'm busy tomorrow. I'll be at the singles dance. Oh, hey, what do you know? So will I. I don't care. Great, I'll see you there. Not if I see you first. Okay, hopefully we'll both meet someone special. Oh, yeah, maybe. As long as his name isn't Cohen. So something else that you're obsessed with, I think we need to dedicate an entire half the episode to this. My dear... Miss Swifty, Taylor Swift. Oh, yeah. Ooh, breathe, breathe, breathe. <sighs> I love her. <laughs> All right. When, when did it begin? Take me back to the beginning. Were you an early fan? Were you later down the track? When did it begin? Okay, so I, um, before Red kind of dipped in and out of being a Swifty. So 
uh, upon Taylor Swift's first album debut, mm-hmm. um, I was a big like teardrops on my guitar girly, fearless. I really loved Love Story. Um, I was definitely like attached to her like radio hits, like the stuff that was on the radio, and I liked her. I also liked that she was country. Though I feel like at that time, so when she came out, my youth or like my age group were like really into like emo music. So she was kind of like the counter to all of that. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like, you know, in Fall Out Boy and Panic at the Disco and My Chemical yes. Romance. Like they were my vibe, like as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And so Taylor Swift didn't really fit into that, though I've always had a really diverse music taste. My dad really loves country music. My mom is like a real big, like loves music. My family was always playing music. So I feel like I had a real large scope of music. Um, but I feel like the time I fell in love with her was when Red came out. Red, for me as an album, um, just holds so much emotionality. Like Taylor's... 33 this year is she yeah she's 33 this year so I'm two years younger than her so it kind of felt like when albums would come out they would be like just like I'd be moving into that phase of my life sort of thing like it was serendipitous that I kind of like I grew up with her because we're of similar ages so red was something that just like literally just like encompassed my whole life um and from that moment I was like hooked so then during that time, so during Red then, that was an interesting era for Taylor from what I can remember. It was, in comparison to now, it's it's crazy to think how different the world looked at Taylor. Because well, I, I remember how quickly it would shift. People would either hate her. Liking Taylor was embarrassing. Like, oh my God, she's so cheesy. Oh my God, she writes about her ex-boyfriends. Oh my God. And then suddenly, like there'd just be this quick switch of like she's an she's a talent she's incredible we love taylor she's amazing she's everywhere we adore her were you what was that like then in the early days for you liking taylor when there was such justification of either the world hated her or loved her it just always switched all the time i think like i've always just liked what i liked like i was even someone who was like kind of into one direction even though i was kind of like outside of that age group really I have never really found it embarrassing to like pop culture. And as a 31-year-old now, I'm like, it's really interesting to me that, like, anything that particularly teenage girls love is, like, demonized as lame and stupid and not Mm -hmm. cool. Until it's, like, you know, 40 years later and now indie guys, like, their favorite band is the Beatles. And it's like, bitch, the only reason they were famous is because of teenage girls. And at the time, everyone thought Mm -hmm. that they were lame. So, like... That is interesting to me as a concept um, because teenage girls and, like, you know, marginalized communities like people of color or queer people are always creating the social zeitgeist. Like, and then until it's cool enough that white people and men steal it and then it's, like, not cool anymore. Um, (laughs) But anyway, I, during Red Era, I didn't really care that other people didn't like her I also remember one of my like comeback things was like if people were like she just writes about her ex-boyfriends I was like all Ed Sheeran does is write love music all the freaking time every song is about someone he's dated Mm -hmm. and that's not to shit on Ed Sheeran I think he's a good musician but um Mm. yeah like it's that's just you draw from your experience dude um 
But yeah, Red Arrow didn't really care that people didn't like her. 1989, like, started on a real high. Everyone loved her. And then everyone was, like, sick of her. Like, so sick of, like, the squad goal. So sick of, like, you know, all of the, you know, the tour, everything that she'd been through. And then at that, like, during that era was when a lot of, like, the slut shaming, I feel like, happened of her. Yeah. Um, Or the linking of her with just random guys that she was friends with or whatever. Um, which is pretty insane because she was like literally 21, 22, 23. Like that's bananas that we would put that on such a young person. Um, during like 1989 and rep era, like people really hated her. Like I yeah. have close friends now who are Swifties who at the time were like, mm, like I'm not like other girls. Like, and they admit it now. They're like, you know, that was so <laughs> dumb of me to not like her just because of that stuff. But they really put themselves in that camp. Whereas I just didn't really care. I was like, I really like her. I think she's cool. Like, whatever. Um, and then when Rep came out, I feel like it intensified more. You were either, like, really on Taylor's side or really on Rep. I feel like now we yeah. forget that, like, since Folklore and Evermore have particularly come out, people are like, oh, she's a genius. And I'm like... Yes! Yeah, I know. <laughs> she's um, always been a lyrical genius. Yeah. Marketing genius. I, business I'm genius. So, I'm so glad people love her now. Like, I don't want to gatekeep Taylor. Like, you can be a Taylor fan at any stage. If you just know her pop hits, that's cool. If you're, like, like dedicatedly, like, obsessed with her, like, cult-level Swifty like me, that's cool, too. Like, I... um. I accept everyone where they're at for whatever, because I think if you like something, even if it's one thing of an artist, like you are entitled to like that. Um, but it has been interesting. Cause I think, uh, I really realized the impact of her recently because I went back and saw my brother and he's a musician. He was in a band. He plays guitar. He plays drums. He got all of the musical talent, which I'm very jealous of, but, um, he is a great musician and he loves music. And, uh, he's younger than me, so he would, like, you know, take my Fallout Boy City or my Foo Fighters City. Like, we bond a lot over, like, the music that kind of bridged us, especially as an older sister. Yeah. Um, and he's never hated Taylor. He's never said anything about her or, like, been like, oh, that's lame or whatever. He's he's not really like that. But I remember sitting at his house and he's like, God, I've been listening to some Taylor lately. It's really good. And that's when it hit me that I was like, oh, like it's fully come full circle. Like, because before, like, my brother's not really her typical audience. Like, he's a straight white dude who, like, is an electrician. Like, he, he, and it's not his musical style. He's into, like, rock. He's into, like, emo. He's into Mm. screamo. Like, it's just not his vibe. But when I realized that Nick was like, oh, yeah, she's really good. Like, she's, and I was like, oh, like, this is really shifting. Um, Mm. And I just think that's exciting because I think, like, you know, People are always going to hate popular stuff just because it's popular. I I honestly think people like that, who, like, in their Tinder or Bumble info is like, I hate this, I hate that, blah, blah. I'm like, that's so not interesting to me. Like, what do you like? Like, not liking stuff is, like, not a personality. Like, it's a choice. You don't have to like everything. But I think when you make it, like, your thing to be like, oh, I don't like that because everyone else likes it, um... I just think there's a reason things are popular and just like embrace that. Like it's fine. Um, yeah. You're not yeah, extra so cool for like not liking no. something. I think that seems to be what people love. It's just like, Oh, I'm just so cool. I'm just so different from everyone else. But I mean, like, I feel like 
everyone's been through that phase. Like, even me at 15, oh, no. I remember being <laughs> yeah. like, I am never going to get a Kindle. I only read real books. Like, I oh my literature. Because <laughs> I was that girl. And now I'm like, that's so ableist oh. and dumb and, like, silly yes. to, <laughs> to think that audiobooks or other forms of reading or, like, even, like, you know like smutty books or fanfic books are like real Mm. reading because like as a kid I wasn't really I didn't really feel like I had any currency in my body I didn't feel attractive I didn't feel worthy um the only thing I had was I was always a voracious reader and teachers and my parents were always like oh Danny's so smart so like it was my one thing to be like I'm better than you because I read like real literature and it's like now I'm like that's the dumbest like that's so silly to think that but I mean I was 15 but I feel like that's sometimes what the vibe of people that hate Taylor Swift are like is like she and she's a woman like it's easy to hate on oh yeah like women musicians all the time you know like like it's hard I think as a person who has my values like knowing now she's a billionaire and like she is like you know like has so much power in the industry and like you know like I don't think anyone should have a billion dollars I think that's disgusting Mm. um so like there are some times where I'm like dude I I understand there's problematic aspects of Taylor and herself and like those criticisms I think are fair um especially if they're people that don't look like me you know like that's totally fine but I think hating her just because she writes like breakup songs um is kind of weird yeah like a weird hill to die on yeah it's just not very it's just also not very smart like in being like that's really you've not really looked into this really like no (laughs) it's kind of like the same feeling i had when people hated trump only because he was fat i was like there's like seven Mm. million things you can hate about him before it gets to his (laughs) body like he's a terrible person it's kind Mm -hmm. of the same like if someone's like i don't really support taylor because she's like you know a billionaire and like you know is driving capitalism in this like really dangerous way and like she's part of like that problematic part of our world i understand that criticism totally and that's fine Mm. um but yeah it's it's the other patriarchal like sexism side of the taylor thing that really irks me and also i just think like you know the people that are always like they never talk about anything except for things that they they hate or they don't like i just think that's so boring yeah, that, that's I've now that I think about it. There's definitely some people that definitely that's their personality, and it's just like it's just them being obsessed with like having power over you, just so you can feel smaller with your interests and stuff like that. And that that does make me curious though about because you because I I've been following you on Instagram, God for for years, and it feels like Thanks. this past. Oh yeah, I adore. Oh my god, honey, I adore you. I've been following you for ages. Your content is so fabulous. That's but so I nice. feel like it's been probably like the past, the part probably like the past year and a half. Mm-hmm. Taylor has been like the primary. T- Taylor has been the favorite child on your Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I kind of went through this phase. So in 2020, I had a really big breakup with someone that I'd been with for six years. Um, and we were engaged and that ended and I kind of was in Cairns where I grew up and kind of like working for my parents which was a great business but was never like my dream um and I was kind of like what am I doing like I'm 20 I was 28 um and I was like 
also in like peak breakup mode of like I'm an old maid I'm never gonna find anyone like my life is over um even though it was my decision to end the relationship and I had great reason to do so but um Mm. I kind of was like what am I doing like I so I like packed up my whole life moved to Brisbane started studying at Griffith and also during that past relationship because it was with the cis man I kind of realized I was queer but I didn't really come out to anyone because I was kind of like what's the point I felt like if I came out to my family or if I came out to my friends they would kind of be like so does that mean you're not in this relationship anymore and I was kind of like no like I just didn't think it was necessary and also I was a bit scared like I not from people's reactions, but just in general. Like, I was just like, oh, I don't know. Like, my ex and me had been together since I was 21. It was my first proper relationship. It was my first relationship in general. So I was kind of green to that experience. Um, And so I packed up my whole life, came down here, and then so much of my early work online um, was about my experiences as a fat person or as someone who had suffered from an eating disorder. And... It was so validating to find community that understood those oppressive stuff and marginalization. Um, But after a while, I kind of felt like the only content that did well was content where I was like giving up my trauma. Mm. Um, And after a while, I kind of was just like, oh, like, yes, I want that to be part of the conversation. And yes, I want that to be uh, part of my activism. But if all I ever do is post about the shit that's being hard in a fat body or hard in my life, um, people don't understand that there's like a million things that I love or I'm interested in. And I kind of felt like other people, like thin people could like create content about frogs or like the sky or paintings or whatever. And that was allowed. Their, their body wasn't part of the conversation, but my body's always been part of the conversation because fat phobia exists. Yeah. And I kind of just was like, I'm so sick of posting things where like people like send me death threats. I still get them now, even though I just post Taylor Swift stuff, but like I was so sick of arguing with people on the internet about basic human rights stuff. And yeah, I kind of got to the point where I was like, I just want to be happy. Like I've, I've spent a lot of time in my life being really unhappy. I went through this very traumatic breakup, um, came out, which was hard enough. Um, and dating all these new people and stuff. And then kind of was like, I just want to post about things that I like. Um, and then obviously I was gifted because Midnight's came out and then she went on tour. Um, (laughs) and it was like this perfect like m- melting pot of like me being like you know what I'm just gonna post shit that I want to post because I've always been like that I've always only posted what I wanted to but it did get to a point with the like trauma stuff and also just in general about my body where I was kind of just like when I was 21 the internet was like you know I hadn't really found community I haven't felt validation so like I found all these people and I was sharing all my story and it was so great and then I got to 28 And people were, like, finding my parents' address on Reddit and, like, commenting on my breakup being, like, you owe us what happened. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like, oh, I really want some privacy in my life. I really want some things to just be mine. And I was never someone who posted a lot about my previous relationship or my family because they're two places that I think I only post what I want to post. I shouldn't put other people um, in situations that I choose for myself. Um, and I'm very protective over them. So I was like, you know, I, I was just sick of, yeah, just negativity online kind of. Um, and also like kind of wanted to take some of these 
this trauma stuff that I had healed and worked through in therapy and stuff and kind of be like, okay, it's like mine now. Not every piece of me has to be other people's, um, which sounds super like, I'm so famous, but like, it's just a weird experience to have more than like, I don't know, 10 people that you know, know your whole life story. It's like a weird thing. Um, So I just started posting about Taylor and I was like, you know, whatever. And like, initially I lost tons of followers over it. People were like, in my DMs being like, how could you do this? This is so... And I'm like, dude, build your own platform. Like, this ain't... I am for public consumption, but, like, I don't have to do what you want me to do. Um, And also, I took a big break during my breakup, so I just wasn't online a lot. And then when I came back doing Taylor stuff, it's just, like, fun now. Like, I think that showing fat bodies or fat people just doing normal shit, like, is actually quite revolutionary when you think about it. Like, we think, Mm -hmm. oh, that's not really activism. No, it is. Like, fat joy and reclaiming of life being like, yeah, I'm in a fat body, but my life is normal, because it is, um, like, is a powerful thing. And, you know, the fact that I just love Taylor Swift. And then I met my girlfriend, and she loves Taylor Swift, and she is, like, a sewer, and that just, like, opened up a whole can of worms (laughs) for me. Because I was like, oh, my God, you can make me clothes. Um, and then it kind of just went from there. So that was a really long answer to your question. (laughs) No, that's all good. I like long answers. I love them. I love them. Yeah. And I think it's just great to see, because what we, I think what we need to see more of is that fat people, we're multifaceted just like anyone else. We just, just because, just because you're someone that has spoken about plus size issues and fat liberation, like that doesn't mean that's all you care about. That doesn't, that's, that's not your only identifier your other identifier is that you're a big taylor swift big taylor swift fan you're a bisexual icon you're obsessed with the oc and you have a fat and you have a fabulous partner and a beautiful relationship that i think so many people should be jealous of and aware of because it's so cute and i just feel like yeah like you said like i think that is another version of activism is showing fat joy it doesn't always have to be sad it doesn't always have to be about like the issues all the time because that's you talking about it that's you using your life experiences and like using your life experiences for content all the time as someone that does that as well it is draining it is very mentally draining and it's also just one of those things of like I I was sick of feeling like the only thing interesting about me was people kind of like like that weird trauma porn lens that disability Mm. activists talk about of like Mm -hmm. oh like oh yeah my life's not as bad as hers or like just weird shit and on top of that like I don't really need to talk about fat stuff all the time like I am fat I experience it like I don't need this to be my whole story um and on top of that I think I just had gone through such a really horrible part of my life that I just wanted to do fun stuff for once yeah um and yeah, I just am so grateful that I still have the platform I have, but also just that like, you know, some people are enjoying myself. I've met more Taylor people because of it. Like, and also just like, I feel like a reinvigoration of social media. Like I've been online for 10 years. That's a long time to do one platform and it's a long time mm-hmm. to have figured that out by yourself. And from 21 to 31, I am, I have the same values, but I'm a different person. I'm, I'm. I'm an adult now and being an adult woman, I'm like, oh, like, yeah, I didn't really think about this when I was 21. Because when I started my account, I just started posting like recovery quotes and like 
it slowly built. I didn't buy followers. I didn't do anything. I didn't, influencer wasn't really even a term we had. Like mm. I didn't see this becoming part of my life in a big way. Um, it just happened out that way. So it's been a constant like reevaluating and like regrowth um, of changing directions. But I think that's a good thing because I think yeah. like that's what human experience is. So mm. yeah. And also like, through your passion for Taylor Swift, like for example, like you making your fabulous body, but well, so sorry, your fa- is it bodysuit? Yeah, the fabulous costume that you're yeah. gonna wear to the Eras tour next year, because you made your own mannequin with your partner, and then you're also doing the bodysuit with all the gems. Which I've seen the videos of you like putting all the gem zones on. I'm just like, oh my god, I would have just given up. It looks so fidgety. Like even then, just like yeah. just. It just, it's like an organic way and people, they are following you for Taylor Swift content. They see like, oh yeah, but she had to make, you know, a plus size mannequin because we don't have plus size mannequins or Mm -hmm. like, at least they can stay, people are still able to get the fat experience, but you don't actually have to tell them. They can just analyze it themselves kind of thing, if that made sense. I've kind of sprinkled in stuff. Like I made a TikTok yesterday about, sprinkle it. I um I kind of made a TikTok yesterday about friendship bracelets because that's a big thing in Eris Tour Swifty Land, and um mm-hmm. I was like at the start like I'm making them like this so that they're more inclusive. Like there's gonna mm-hmm. be people at the place that doesn't have the same size wrist or hands as you or arms. Um, and like it wasn't explicitly like this is for fat people, but it's just like getting people thinking like oh yeah I didn't really think about that or oh yeah, yeah. I didn't think about this. Um, because it's something that I do when other fat people think about all the time so Mm. um yeah I'm enjoying being able to kind of mix those two experiences together yeah you're doing a beautiful job at it yeah thanks (laughs) so what I like to do with my guest every single week is that we finish off with a bit of a quick fire round questions and of course these have to be related to Taylor Swift because you are the Taylor Swift expert, enthusiast, icon. <laughs> I don't so. know if I'm an expert, but I've definitely spent enough money on merch this year to be considered <laughs> something. <laughs> oh. So I have some quick fire. Would you rather questions Taylor Swift oh, edition, sh- my dear? Um, wait, before we start, I have to. I love to know rules. So am I allowed okay. to ask clarifying questions? Absolutely. Mm-hmm, of course. Okay. Yep. All right. That's all I need to know then. Yep. yep. That's fine. <laughs> I'm oh ready. God, I love I love how serious you're taking it. I love it so much. Yeah. Okay. Oh, All right. would you rather are like my bread and butter? So continue. <laughs> I love oh, I love them. They're just also like a great way to get to know someone. Great icebreakers. Yeah. I love it. Okay. All right. Would you rather Taylor Swift collaborate with Harry Styles or Selena Gomez? Harry Styles. Oh, that was quick. <laughs> I don't have to think about that. I think because I'm going to be honest here. I love Selena Gomez. I think she Mm -hmm. is talented. Mm -hmm. I think her main talents don't necessarily exist in her singing career. I think I think she's a great actress. I really love her on Only Money in the Building. Great at acting. She's great. Uh, But when it comes to music, I do listen to Selena Gomez. But I am like a major Harry fan, and I think he's extremely talented. And having them two collab, I think, would be really beautiful. So I that's easy for me to answer. (laughs) <laughs> this is All fun right. we shouldn't start this the whole way yeah <laughs> just the whole right. podcast right. of would you rather just the whole podcast of would you rather all right now 
All right. Which Taylor's version are you most looking forward to? Lover or Reputation? Well, we're not getting a lover. No, I saw what we were getting lover. Isn't that going to be like the final one? No. So we have Reputation and Taylor Swift left, but lover is owned by her because it was after she left management. Oh. Okay. All right. So Taylor. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Sorry, okay. why am I questioning the expert? That's why am okay. I? I'm, no, it's I'm okay. so sorry. It's very, okay. dude, Repu- it's very confusing. I understand. <laughs> All right, reputation. Or t- Wait, which is she finishing off with? Reputation or Taylor Swift? We don't know. We don't know. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Because we which never know most... what's coming next officially until she announces. Oh, it. of course not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm way more excited for reputation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Taylor Swift is a great album. But um, it was written when she was really young, and there's just it yeah. doesn't have um, the same dramatic effect as Reputation, um, and also just like Rep is such a good album. I like really want to know what's in the Vault tracks. It's an underrated album. I feel like yeah. it got a lot of shit, probably because, as you said earlier on the episode, you know that was during the time where people either loved her or hated her. It's an underrated album. It's got some bangers in there. Yeah. Yeah, and mm. it has some, like, really deep cuts, like So It Goes or, like, Delicate or, like, New Year's Day. Like, mm. most people who haven't heard those songs would not put them on reputation, but it's, like, a very interesting album. I also argue, like, this is just another thing. I also argue that Reputation is actually more of a lover album than Lover is. Lover is more about like anxiety around relationships and like feeling like, Mm. oh, I found the one, but will this last? Like feeling very insecure, not knowing your footing. Where Reputation is like sexy. It's like, I'm in love with you. Like it's very, (laughs) like I know it's all dressed up in black, but I think it's actually more romantic than Lover is. It's a hot take, but I stand by it. Ooh. All right, I'll have to think. Uh, yeah, now that I think about it. I have not listened to Reputation, like, in full in quite a while, so I have to, like, go back and listen. Mm. Yeah. You got me thinking now. I'll good. have to do yeah, some research then. Yeah, I'll have to do Great. some research. <laughs> Ooh, all right. You're not going to like me with this question. I'm sorry to say. Okay. All right. Would you rather only be able to listen to Taylor Swift albums that aren't the Taylor's version or give up your Eras Tour ticket and not be able to see the Eras Tour concert if you want clarification. Well, I'm going twice. Rather. So does does that mean I have oh, to give okay. up both tickets? <laughs> both. Okay. All right. I will reword okay. it because I see someone is trying to find like a little a little way to get out of this. <laughs> not be able to attend the Eras tour at all, ever. But only listen to the stolen mm. versions. Mm-hmm. That is really I know. hard. I'm, me- I'm being it's mean. It's really mean. I'm being mean. Um. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> well i've like never seen taylor right ever now. like i've never seen her my girlfriend has been four times and i've never had the money to go see yes. her so this is like a very big mm-hmm. deal for me especially because it's eris so i get like all of the tours in one so it's very special um but that means i can ne- never listen to all too well 10 minute version again and i don't know if i can do that mm. so i'm gonna I'm going to be mm. really nice and give up my errors. 
Ah. Oh my god. That literally hurts to say. And if anyone's listening to it, that is not legally binding. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no. I I guess like now that Aristotle movie's out, I could just go watch that like another ten times. I guess. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. And you got your Taylor Swift cup and popcorn, popcorn holder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, th- sure I still think my like girlfriend this- would go without me. Like, she would definitely be like, sorry, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> I- oh, I'm so cute. I'm so curious what she's going to respond with when you tell her what you answered. <laughs> she's going to be surprised. Oh. Actually, I don't think she will. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know what? Taylor Swift will be very happy that you're not going to listen to Scooter Braun's shit. So that's... Yeah. She'll be proud of you. I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You know what? Let's finish on a fun one. One that doesn't rip your soul into two. I know. That really hurt. Yeah. (laughs) All right. If you could be a fly on the wall... In either of these two situations, which would it be so you could hear the conversations? Would you rather... I love this already. Okay. (laughs) Would you rather have been able to hear that famous meeting between Taylor Swift and her friends where she told them probably about the breakup with Joel Alwyn and then they all left and then they all proceeded to unfollow him on Instagram? Mm -hmm. Or... Would you have rather been able to hear Scooter Braun's reaction to finding out that Taylor was going to re-record? Ah, uh, the Joe Allen one. Yeah. Sure. yeah. I, I would much rather hear, like, what her friends have to say, what actually went down in that relationship. Uh, mm. Then, I don't really care about Scooter Braun. Like, yeah, fuck him. Loki. <laughs> yeah. Like, Loki, I'm like, whatever. Like, and also just, like, I think, I think that... Yeah, I just think that would be so interesting to know, like... Also, I feel like you'd get, like, friendship dynamics from that. Mm, like, yeah. you'd you'd find out, like, who's in who. And um, and also just, like, I have so many questions about that relationship. I'm also very so. curious. I'm also very curious on how invested ryan reynolds is because i feel i feel like he was the instigator and being like we should all unfollow him we should all do it. i just feel like he would get so passionate and interested because he has been along for the ride for so many of taylor's errors relationships big moments in her life yeah i just would find that so fascinating like just the dynamic yeah. between and those two i feel two. like he's He's Canadian, so, like, I already like him, you know? Like, there's never yeah. been a bad Canadian I've met. So, like, um, except Justin maybe I'm Bieber. A, I'm not a, yeah, I was literally just I was like, gonna, I'm not a I big was just like, I cannot except, stand. Except, <laughs> or Justin Bieber. Um, apart from him, everyone else is cool. Um, the only other Canadian I can think of is, like, one of my friends and Celine Dion. So, like, they're all good. Um, they're good. <laughs> they're good but yeah no i think i'd rather, much rather know about joel allen yeah i i need to know too i just there ha- I, I reckon this is i know I, I i know people will say like this is their relationship you shouldn't be making up rumors or predicting things but we're just gonna do that anyway i think yeah. <laughs> he <laughs> had to like you know do a disclaimer and then i go into being a, a bad feminist yeah i think he was like, you need to settle down. We, I want to have a family with you. Let's settle down. Let's have some kids. And she's like, 
yeah, fuck that shit. I'm the most powerful woman in the world. I want to go on an Eras tour. I want to do all this. I yeah. think that's... I have a feeling that's... I think, I think it's really interesting that she has this, like, even in her music, I mean, we're allowed to talk about the music because that's fair game. She mm-hmm, has, mm-hmm. like, this weird obsession with, like, moody, boring English dudes. This yeah. is my opinion as a bisexual woman yes. who has a girlfriend, right? Like, take it with, with a grain of salt. But I was so overseeing her with him. I find oh, him no, so mopey. I know that's so mean. I don't know him. But, like, as a as a brand, I find him mopey. And, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know about the Travis Kelsey thing. I don't know, like, if it's true. I'm not like, woohoo, she has a boyfriend, whatever. But... PR or not, seeing her with a guy who's like, she's fucking great. She's mm-hmm. fucking cool. I love her. Seeing her with this, like, he's a Libra like me, so just like <laughs> X Games mode. But seeing him be so, like, lover, lover with her and, like, this, like, American, like, kind of charismatic, um, you know, I don't know everything about him. There's probably problematic stuff that he's done. Definitely he's a white dude. But, like... It's so fun to see her, even if it's a PR relationship, kind of be celebrated. And, like, they just look, like, happy. And whether that's put on or not, they're either really great actors, or there's, like, it's PR and a little bit of truth, or it's just PR, whatever. But I'm just, like, loving seeing her with someone who is, like, publicly, like, she's awesome. Like, it's just nice. Yeah. Because so many of the guys she's dated have either been completely private, which is their right, or mm. dumped her or broke her heart and then been like, she's a loser. Like, she's such a loser. Like, why would they have... And been publicly really demonizing to her, like John Mayer has or um, Calvin Harris. Like, everyone's been like, ugh, fuck her. And for once, there's a guy just being like, yeah, she's she's freaking top of her game. She's cool. And I just like that. I just like... I think because I'm a Libra and I have, like, a cancer placement in my Venus, I'm, like, I just want someone who, like, celebrates me and is, like, I love them. Like, I came from a relationship that was very, like, I didn't really get that. He was, like, a very introverted person and I never really felt like he was, like, I'll be honest, I never really felt like he was proud to be with me if Mm. I'm, if I'm being real. Um... But my now partner is, like, would, like, jump on the roof and tell everyone how much she loves me, which is, like, so nice. Yeah. And I just think that that's the vibe I get from him, is that he's yes. just, like, just likes her. Yeah. I just think it's cool. I, oh. The, 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 the romantic in me hopes that it's not a PR relationship. Maybe it started off to be, but I think they could have, I think they're smitten. I just... I really, really hope when the by the time this episode comes out, if they break up, I'm gonna be so sad. But I, yeah, it's, but yeah, it's just it would be it would be so easy for him to be threatened by how much power she has yeah. because he himself is a big fish in a little pond. I know. Okay, before any NFL people say to me, "Oh, the NFL oh isn't a little pond," but in comparison to Taylor, in comparison to Taylor, he is a big fish in a little pond. Whereas she's my a favorite big thing fish is... in a big pond. Yeah, my favorite thing is seeing people on TikTok, especially American guys, be like annoyed that people are like Taylor Swift is more famous than Travis Kelsey. Because the truth is, he fucking is. Because <laughs> yeah. unlike American guys, who think America is the like central point of everybody's eye, guys, like no, like. 
I my favorite thing about Americans too is they think that Australians love them until they meet an Australian. And yes. I have a lot of American friends, so I don't hate any of you guys listening because <laughs> I love you. But it's like as a culture, it's just interesting to me because they just like literally are so arrogant in my yeah. opinion. But like, <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. But like he, I think he understands the gravitas of who she is, and I think mm-hmm. like he's obviously worked very hard to get to being a super bowl i know nothing about sports he he plays with the ball he worked very hard at that <laughs> i appreciate that i think that's awesome also super bowl like halftime shows are my favorite so like i'm there for it i get it but i think he understands her like her influence but also i just think he like actually respects her which is like i mean the bar is in hell right like whoa i love I that the bar is just so I love that Fuck. the bar is so low of just, like, the guy likes her and he respects her. Oh, my God, he's amazing. And he, like, <laughs> talks about her so in low. a nice way. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> and, like, sometimes I think about this, too, because, like, as a queer Swifty, as someone who, like, you know, um, has feelings about that whole thing and, like, theories about that. And, like, you know, when I was younger, I was a big, like, Swift Gron shipper, which is Diana Agron and Taylor Swift, for those who don't know who Diana Agron is. She played Quinn in Glee. Mm-hmm. Rewatch Glee. It's a dumpster fire, but also very entertaining. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I just, I just, I don't know. The bar is in hell, but, I mean, like, he's, like, holding the, he's, like, above the bar, so that's good, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, the bar is always just so low for straight cisgender white men. Hmm. I mean, especially in relationships. (laughs) I'm reading at the moment another cultural thing that um, would be good to mention is, have you started reading Clem Ford's or Clementine Ford's um, new book called I Don't? I need to order it. I'm in desperate need of ordering it. I started reading it on my Kobo last night at like 10.30. Didn't go to sleep till 2am because I was like, she is, uh, (gasps) I mean... Clem, I don't know if she'd be, like, I don't know if she'd be okay if I called her a friend, but, like, we, I've been on her podcast, I feel like I'm friendly with her, I wouldn't say we're, like, <laughs> best friends, but, but I've had contact with her, which is really cool, um, but she's so funny, and I just admire her so much as a writer, and, um, yeah, reading that, like, the bar is literally so low. Yeah, yeah. Highly just... recommend everyone go read her book, I don't, like, oh. I'm very tempted to just send it to a bunch of my toxic relatives that ha- that are that are in like relation that are in marriages that are not good with marriages, but they just want to stay in the marriage because they're just like, oh, you know, what else is there to do? I'm just so tempted to yeah. send off all the books to them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting because like I not that I've read all of it yet, but I like I really uh, was interested how she would approach queer marriage because she is queer and um, I'm queer. And I do want to be married one day, which is just, like, a personal preference. It's not from a religious mm. place, more from, like, a tradition and also just, like, fun celebration place. Um, and also, like, for me and my partner, like, the idea of standing up in front of people that we love being, like, I love this person is, like, important to us. And for us as queer people, it's, like, there probably was, like, generations of queer people who couldn't um, do this and wanted to do this. Um, so it's like kind of a way for us to honor those queer ancestors, I guess. Mm. Um, if we ever get married, we're not engaged or anything. There's no spoilies for that. Um, who knows? Uh, but with um, the book, Clem says, 
you know, for her as a queer person, she doesn't ever see her entering into marriage because of, like, the reasons the book goes into, especially mm. in terms of, like, that it was not a right queer people had, so why would I want to join an institution that has, like, historically, like, not supported queer people? Which I think is a fair criticism and fair opinion. Um but the rest of the book is very much obviously historically focused on heterosexual marriage because that was the only marriage that existed, um, at least in society, Western society way. Mm. Um, so it's really interesting to read because I'm like, as someone who has been in a relationship with a cis man, like, yeah, it's it's really eye-opening, I think. Yeah. Um, um, how low the bar is for men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting because, like, I grew up in a house that uh, – my dad, not to be like, my dad's not like other men, but like he, to me, really isn't. He, uh, both my parents worked full time. My dad more often than not did a lot of the cooking. Um, my dad now does most of the cleaning and cooking. My mom owns her own business. My dad works for her, but she, like, I grew up in a very matriarch household where like my dad would be like, oh, I need to ask your mom if I can pay for this or whatever. And I, as a kid, just thought, oh, men don't control the money the mom's in charge and the dads are there to like play imagination with you and because my dad's always been really soft he's the one that cries more he played dress-ups with us like he's very sensitive um and so is my brother actually I feel like because he was raised by like a more sensitive man and they always took marriage as like a team sport it was like okay Mm. if I'm working you're doing this and it doesn't matter who it is um there was like a very blend of gender roles in my household. So I kind of at 11, I remember, or like when I was in primary school, I remember going to a math class once and a boy was like, oh, but girls can't do the family budget. And I started laughing because I thought it was a joke. I was like, yeah. I was like, your dad does stuff? Like, that's so weird. Like my dad, <laughs> like I had a conversation with him recently and he was like, if mom dies first, he's like, I don't even know what our bank account numbers are. And I'm like, dad, it's fine. I'll take this. <laughs> he's just I mean he probably does but he's just like he does a lot more of like the hands-on stuff in the relationship um and my dad it was never like you know how some families like their dad was like babysitting them like my dad Mm -hmm. loved hanging out with us so I never really felt that way and reading this book specifically I'm like oh shit like I was actually really lucky to grow up in a household where that was represented especially with a really strong matriarchal mother um Mm. because I think it really gave me an underpinning of feminism and like understanding of like relationships that was like a little bit different than some of my peers grew up with. Um, So shout out to my parents, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to them for not having a toxic, unhealthy marriage. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And shout out to my father, who was that useless. He didn't even know what food my brother and I liked, despite us living with him for probably 17 years. Yeah. Shout out to that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole, that's a novel I can write about him. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Mm. Oh my God. I'm sorry. (laughs) Ah, that's all right. Good content. (laughs) It just makes good content now. I'm always just like... (laughs) none of us walk away from families without like our own trauma right like when I first went into therapy I was very much like like you know I don't know just talking about family stuff or whatever and then like it's always like oh 
I don't really have any trauma around this or that. And you're like, oh, actually, I, I definitely do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Danny, thank you so much for coming on to today's show. We can talk all day about all things Taylor Swift, OC, toxic men, mediocre men, and relatives being mm, forcing us into therapy because we need it so desperately. <laughs> yeah. Where can people find you if they want to hear more from you, if they want more Taylor Swift content, fat, uh, body positivity sure. content? Where can they find you? Um, so they can find me on every social media at I am Danny Adriana, Danny with one N. Um, and I have a website, which is just www.iamdannyadriana.com. Um, and apart from that, just like, yeah, mostly on the interwebs at the moment. I'm mostly focused on TikTok and Instagram. So they're yeah. like my major platforms. Yes, and I am very much looking forward to to see the end result of the iconic Taylor Swift bodysuit that you're making. Oh, thank you. Very I, intrigued. Um, I'll give you a like hot tip spoilie. Um, mm. I am actually because I'm going two nights. There's actually another costume in the works, but I haven't <gasps> announced anything yet. Ooh, exclusive! So stay stay tuned for that exclusive. Um, oh. it probably won't be started this well maybe the middle of this month I, it depends how much round turning I get done this weekend <laughs> yeah <laughs> <clears throat> uh, well thank you thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and just chatting with me all things pop culture all things swifty early 2000s shows just yeah it was just such a treat talking to you thanks so much thank you beautiful humans for listening to this episode of feeling nostalgic for more Taylor Swift content and body positivity, do give Danny Adriana a follow on Instagram and TikTok. I will make sure I leave her handles in today's show notes. And if you had fun today, as always, leave a rating, leave a review, and maybe even share with your friends, your followers on Instagram where you're listening to today's podcast. But most importantly, as always again, tell everyone about the show tell your bestie tell your therapist tell the mediocre men that you meet online say on hinge and tinder tell them all about the show for another dose of this throwback chat do be sure to tune in next week on feeling nostalgic where my guest and i talk all things disability representation in the media and pop culture until then i'm your host demi lynch say hi to your dog for me We acknowledge this podcast was recorded on Aboriginal land. This land is and always will be Aboriginal land.